You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beat, we have Neil Ivey. Neil won a national title here at Notre Dame in 2001 before going to play in the WNBA for a number of years and then got into her coaching career. She was with Notre Dame as an assistant coach for a number of years under Muffet McGraw, and then she left to join the NBA ranks with the Memphis Grizzlies for a year. So we talk about what she was doing in the NBA, kind of what her day-to-day looked like, and then what the transition looked like to leave the NBA after a year and come back and replace Muffet McGraw's head coach of Notre Dame women's basketball, which is the title she holds now. So we talked about that. We talked about her son, Jaden, who's about to start at Purdue. And, you know, just kind of her background with South Bend and Notre Dame as a whole. And once again, this episode is brought to you by Martin's Supermarkets. Uh, Whether you need groceries on the go in the age of COVID or you want to pop into the side door deli to grab some lunch or some snacks or just do all your grocery shopping, Martin's has you covered. Check out their website, martins-supermarkets.com, and you can see where your your neighborhood Martin's is. And you can pop in and get everything done and then come home and listen to this podcast. So again, here's Neil Ivy. Enjoy. How are you doing, Neil? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty well. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Um, let's get into your background. Right now, you're kind of synonymous with Notre Dame and South Bend, but grew up in Missouri, correct? Yes, St. Louis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about growing up. I read that um, you learned basketball from your older brothers. So yes. you're the youngest of, was it five? Yes. Four older brothers? Yep. What was that household like? Competitive. <laughs> um, I was kind of a tomboy growing up. So always trying to follow after my brothers, really looked up to my big brothers, and they're the ones really introduced me to basketball. Um, but like I said, super competitive, very sport-driven home. So everybody played sports, soccer. We tried to be active. We were a very active family, always on the go, always playing sports somewhere. So it was fun. It was a fun household. What was the age difference between you and the other four? Yeah, um, it's actually two years gap. So like I was, um, I had two, my older Youngest older brother was two years, and then it was like two years all the way gotcha. up until my oldest brother, Nick. They ever so. take it easy on you, like playing basketball out in the driveway or anything? Um, we mostly went to the park, so I was I was part of the era of actually playing outside, yeah. outside hoops <laughs> at the park. So um, they were super – I mean, they used to beat me up all the time. So I think that's probably where I got my, my tough um, kind of spirit, tough mentality because they were always, you know, treating me like I was just one of the guys. <laughs> were they as athletic as you? Yes, they were really athletic. They were really good at soccer, actually. Soccer and basketball, I thought um, one of my brothers definitely could have played basketball in college. And then um, another one, I thought it was he was a really, really good soccer player. So very athletic. And I just probably just learned that from watching them, really, um, just being on the go so much, you know. Right. So I correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that you had a lot of interest in North Carolina when you were in high school. Is that, was, is that true? Yeah, big Michael big Jordan fan? Michael Jordan fan. I wanted to go there so bad. So... I mean, obviously, they kind of missed on that one. Yeah, they did. Um, so how did that happen? Um, 
I, I guess, how did the North Carolina interest play out, and then how did you end up at Notre Dame uh, with Muffet? Yeah, well, actually, I, I begged my mom to take me to a North Carolina basketball camp, so I was like, <laughs> please take me. Um, so we, she provided that for me, flew me down there, went to camp. Coach came the first day. <laughs> Coach came the first day, introduced the camp, and then come back to the last day, and I was mad. Yeah. I was so <laughs> mad. So I was like, so didn't really get on their radar because she wasn't really around. But I understand being a coach like you can't. Um, there are a lot of probably young young stars, female stars that want to play for Notre Dame and you know want to go to camp and just get ex- um, discovered. But it didn't happen happen for me that way. And then um, I, I it was really motivation for me. So I came back and I'm like I got to work on my game. I got to you know make right. sure I get on someone's radar. And then Notre Dame um, came around. My high school coach said they were interested, and so that's really how that happened. And I and, you know every year I got got better. I think I went my sophomore year in high school to that camp and then you know that was just after that <laughs> you know I just you know did AAU and all that kind of stuff and luckily um I got on Notre Dame's radar and you know had a really good recruiting process but North Carolina wasn't part of that were you able to ever play North Carolina in yes. college so how to go my fifth year my fifth year we played at um I think it was a coaches versus cancer classic in North in Disney World I'll never forget actually the same venue that the NBA held their bubble and we played North Carolina for the championship and I I mean I destroyed them (laughs) i i I, I dropped probably like 20 that game so i was just like it was so you didn't forget you didn't forget i did not forget i was like i was so excited to play them you know like my year i felt like i was really ready so that was Was it the same coach at that time it was the same coach perfect um yeah Yeah. so that was hilarious i told i told coach i was like yo this this one's mine don't don't worry about this one i got it (laughs) so uh, now that you're a head coach are you going to be conscious about situations like that where a camp where you had the experience, so maybe you'll try to be more present if time allows. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was devastating for me as a player. So um, I felt like I'm very conscious about that, even as an assistant coach, just making sure you're around. And Coach McGraw was like that. She was always like in our camps, make sure you're visible. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to know that um, that we're really paying attention. You're not you're not just there just to be babysat. You know, like it's it's a lot of growth and mentorship, even as a even in camp. So I'm definitely aware of that because of how I felt. So I want to talk about the national title run. Um, the question I'm trying to come up with questions that maybe you don't get asked on that is as often. What were what was the moment that year where you thought this actually like might not happen? You're, like as, in 2001. Yeah. Um, I actually never. I always felt like it was going to happen. You so know, you never like, had that doubt where like it it might not happen. No, because okay. it, and I, it's because of the process. You know, as far as um, you know, it's my fifth year. It's my last year. I mm-hmm. went through two ACLs at the time. My freshman year, junior year, lost both those years. And so, like for me, I was like, this is it for me. So I was like, there's no, I, I got to go out on top. You know, I, I felt like I've been through so much adversity that this this was the year for me to do it. And then when I found out that it was in St. Louis, in my hometown, mm-hmm. it was just you know in even more motivation for me to get there. I was really locked in, and I think just from the maturity of what I've been through, and it was a great, um, we had a very veteran team. You know, we, I felt like we had all the pieces, you know, point guard, great three-point shooter, Alicia Retai, and great, the best center in the, in the country with Ruth Riley. So I just felt like, you know, this is the year we're going to do it. So I really had a lot of confidence. I think it was because of what I went through so much yeah. that by that time I really, I really exuded a lot of confidence that year. So I definitely can say that I thought this was the year. What was the ticket situation in St. Louis oh for you? Oh my God, it was so bad. <laughs> I actually found out from my high school coach, which I'm really, I'm really, really close with him, that I didn't have a ticket for him, but I thought I did, and I think it's just through like so many requests <laughs> yeah. that I thought I put him down and I didn't. So he actually told me that a couple months ago. I was like, Did he show up at never... the arena? Yeah, he showed up at the arena at the ticket game. <laughs> there was no ticket, and I was like, somebody else 
figured it out for him. And I was like, it was so funny. He told me that a couple He just ago. told you? Yeah. I was like, I didn't. He's like, I thought you knew that. I was like, no, I did not know that. But it was crazy. <laughs> I had over like 100, 100 requests. And, I'm, and I have a big family, so I yeah. had to make sure I would take care of them. And it was hard. I, I had a lot of other people trying to help me try to figure that out. But, I mean, that, that arena was packed. Yeah. Did, so once you finished playing, was there ever a thought of jumping right into coaching, or did you know it was going to be the WNBA? I knew it was going to be WNBA. I mean, that was my goal. I wanted to play professionally. I thought, um, you know, if I didn't get – I mean, at that point, I knew I was going to be drafted into the WNBA. They kind of tell you, like, where you're going to be in the mock draft or whatever. Um, But that was my dream. I wanted to play in the WNBA so bad. I looked up to Cynthia Cooper, you know, Lisa Leslie, Dawn Staley, all those um, greats um, in the women's game. And so that was my goal. So that was super um, exciting for me to, to fulfill that dream. What were a couple of the highlights of those WNBA years? Um, I mean, you were in an era where there was a lot of talent in the yeah. WNBA, just a lot. I mean, do a couple things stand out? Um, I think because I my rookie year, I, I started um, my rookie year, so that was that was huge. For, I, and I never thought at that at that time that I would be able to be the starting point guard for that team. And it was in Indiana, so the fact that I got drafted to be kind of my second home, I had mm-hmm. a lot of family there a lot of Notre Dame fans there so that was that was something that was big for me to be able to start you know the coming out the like the first game to be the starting point guard that was that was amazing for me um but I my um my honestly my biggest goal or my biggest um accomplishment was having my son because I had him after that rookie my rookie season so something I wasn't expecting to do but um it was something that just kind of fulfilled my purpose you know it was something uh my my life kind of went to a in a different direction but it was um something super positive for me so that was another highlight of my WNBA career outside of being on the court just yeah. to have him you know have somebody have my son with me and we're gonna get to your son later <laughs> we have a couple questions yeah. about that um so if I'm not mistaken it was WNBA to Xavier Yes. Is that where you went? Um, so how did that come about? Um, that was a, as a grad assistant, right? Yes. So how did that opportunity arise? Well, I had another. I had two surgeries in, in Notre Dame, and then I had another uh, knee surgery. Um, I think it was my fifth or si- fifth year in the WNBA, and I felt like that season, the off season, I was like, you know, I don't think I'll be able to go overseas. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in, in rehabbing, and Kevin McGuff, who was a one of the position coaches here in Notre Dame, is the head coach there, and he said, why don't you come come here to Xavier? I'll create a position. It was almost like an internship. Um, and you know, you can just see if you like coaching, just get opportunity to work out, you know, get in shape and rehab, you know, then you can go overseas and play. So I was like, okay. And so then I went there and that, and then that kind of changed, um, everything for me. Cause I actually fell in love with coaching and, um, because I wasn't on the court with them and not a full-time assistant, I got a chance to kind of see everything on the behind the scenes, you know? And, um, that's where I kind of fell in love with, um, coaching and just the relationships being around the game still, that's where kind of my focus kind of, um, geared towards you know having that experience Mm -hmm. at Xavier and then you know my knee with my knee really didn't heal properly or you know I was I felt like I was really banged up and so I was like you know what I might have to just you know retire and I feel like this would be a a easy avenue for me to kind of transition to was there any any uh parts in those early days of Xavier where you're like man what did I get into or was it pretty did you know that it was your calling right off the bat I didn't know it was my calling right off the bat um but I felt like this is something I really enjoy doing. But again, like as an intern, I didn't get a chance to be on the court. I wasn't mm-hmm. um, making all the decisions. I wasn't like going on the road recruiting. So that part of it, um, I, I didn't really realize. I just really liked the relationship part. I really liked being around the team. Um, I liked that part aspect of it. I felt like that was, I always felt like that was my strength, just having relationships and um, having bond, you know, having that bond, sharing a bond uh, with teammates and players. And I feel like that's where I was like, okay, I really like this part of it. I want to coach, you know, like, yeah. you know, and 
because being an intern, you there's some certain things you're not allowed to do, and that just made me want to do it. Just hungry being to around, do them all the more. To do it. Yeah. I'm like watching the coaches, like now I can see myself doing this, and yeah. then. Um, so that's kind of where my passion start, started to grow, I guess you could say. So how did the transition come from Xavier to Notre Dame? I well, imagine that was a dream come true. Dream come true. Yeah. So um, Coach McGraw gave me a call after Coquise actually, Coquise Washington left to become the head coach at Penn State. So mm -hmm. she called me. She's like, there's an opening. I'm looking for a point guard position coach. I think you would be great for the position. What do you think about coming to interview? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> my first coaching Next thing smoking, I'm back, out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at Notre Dame, I'm like, um, yes. So I was like, this was my – opportunity i just felt like because i was praying about it like this is my opportunity so i went out she hired me that weekend <laughs> hired me on the spot so she knew what were you she expecting wanted. that no i was not yeah. expecting that she brought in i think two other um candidates before me and so i was a third candidate and then she was just like well at the end you know how she always does <laughs> i want to offer the position i'm like are you serious you know like so i did not know that that was going to happen but i was so happy I was so fortunate. I'm blessed to be able to say that, you know, coach gave me my opportunity before not having any experience. So sometimes breaking into this profession, you just, a lot of people will say, you need experience, you need experience. But she gave me that opportunity. So I'll always be grateful for her. So those those years um, before you left to go to the Grizzlies, you kind of rose the ranks to be one of the top assistant coaches in the country. And then I imagine what was maybe a difficult decision to leave to go make the jump to the NBA. Um, what all went into that decision, and did you have any back and forth, or was it just you couldn't say no to that opportunity? A lot of back and forth. <laughs> a lot went into that decision because, like you said, that was really, really hard for me. Um, I was – just in a great, comfortable place here at Notre Dame, um, you know, coming off a lot of success. I felt like I was really growing. Um, I, the, I, when I got the email, I could first of all, I couldn't believe it. So I got the email, and it was from the um, general, the GM, and I just honestly assumed that it was something about like a coaching clinic or something yeah, like yeah. that. And they wanted to talk about offense, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll email them back in like a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, not a week, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'll email them back, you know. And then so I emailed them back, and then they were like, we'll set up a call. I'm like, okay. So when I, he called. I was like, he said he wanted to – would I be interested in the assistant coach position? I'm like, for the Grizzlies? Like, for you guys? <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. And so um, through me, I mean, I just could not believe it. So I talked to Coach Moran. She's like, her first reaction, like, you got to go. And yeah. I was like, are you serious? You know, because I'm thinking, like, this is like – this is home for me. You know, At this I'm like time, did you have any idea on Muffet's timeline? At no, this point? I mean, okay. I knew that she was. I knew that it was being like five years or something like that. Okay. Like they kind of, after each year, I think the last two years, she kind of mentioned like, at some point, like she'll just throw some nuggets in. Like, I mean, I want, just I like want you, I want you to take yeah. over eventually. Yeah. You, you got. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, like yeah, I yeah. just she said it so nonchalantly that I never really took her seriously on it. But um, yeah. And so when Coach McGraw she like gave me her blessing, and I was just like. She's like, you need to pursue this. She's like, just go out there and see, you know, go to do the interview and just see what happens. She's like, it'd be a great opportunity for you. I'm like, wow. You know, so it kind of shifted my, my thoughts because initially it's like, you know, I'm, I, I love Notre Dame. I know that eventually I want to be a head coach on the women's side. So, you know, why would I leave? So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where my whole thought process was when initially when that opportunity presented itself. And then when I interviewed, I was like, Okay, you know, it's just competitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. you want to do a great job. You know, I, I was, you know, researching about the, the newly appointed head coach, Taylor Jenkins, there, mm -hmm. and the team, John Morant, everybody. Um, and then I got really excited about the opportunity. I was excited from the beginning, but it was more of a shock initially. And then when they offered me the position, it took me a month to decide because – Did you get offered in the room again? No, no. I wish I got offered <laughs> in the room. No, they, they actually – they took, like, four days, like, three days. Like, I went out there on a Tuesday, and they offered it to me on, the, like, a Friday. And – um I, I was just another 
I couldn't believe it because I'm and like, they were okay. cool with you taking your time to make yeah, that decision. Yeah, that made yeah. me real. I, and I told him I was like, it's a it's a family decision. Number one, mm-hmm. I got to make sure it's great for my son. He was headed to his senior year. Um, I had at that point, Lalamir wasn't an wasn't an option for us. So I was like, I have to you know remove him from South Bend Marion High School mm-hmm. to bring him a whole different city his senior year. I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a gra- the right move for him. And so they were completely um, understand under they understood and very patient and so that made me realize like they really want me because otherwise they can be like you know we're just going to move on you have to give me a timeline but they let me take the whole month of july you know to decide so that was um i was really appreciative of that so what was your role with the Grizzlies? like what did your typical day look like say in season and out of season yeah so player development was was huge i had uh, my own set of of guys so i had like i think three or four guys that i would just rotate Mm -hmm. um working them out um individual workouts and it was scouting um you know on court in practice i i was part of like um i was the liaison with the analytics team so everyone had a different area that they um that they had like extra emphasis on um so some had the g league um analytics player development and i had analytics and player development and so that was awesome because I just got a chance to learn a whole different side right, of the game, yeah. and uh, especially with analytics, it's not something that's very um, common on, in the women on the women's side, mostly on the men's side in college men's basketball. So that was something that I really um, it was really beneficial for me. I learned a lot and I grew a lot. But I mean, I mean, scouting I had they divided. I think I had like twelve teams this year. So we had six assistant coaches. So throughout the season, you have like you know, like I said. Uh, Maybe I had like five teams. We'll play some teams three times, four times, two times, and so I had I think a total of like twelve scouts, and um, so very similar to to Notre, to Notre Dame and the on the women's side, but just no no recruiting. So that part was was it was great because yeah. I didn't have to worry about that. So yeah. it was all ball, all basketball, yeah. all X's and O's, and so I was just felt like I was in my element with that. So those. You, you get rolling in the NBA and you're having a great time. Does it? I want to get inside your mind. Are you thinking? <laughs> I could be an NBA lifer. Like I might never go Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I loved my time in Memphis, and I loved the NBA. So I just felt like it was, it was um, something that I didn't realize that I would love so much. You know, you just never know because I yeah. basically uprooted my whole life into a whole new city, a whole new league, a whole new organization. So you never know how that's gonna go. Um, but it was a you know a family oriented environment, and um, I just I really loved it. So yeah, I, if I wasn't at Notre Dame, I probably would be in the NBA. That's for what a I was going to ask. Is this the only job that would have brought you back? I Notre Dame for sure, and then maybe one other place. Yeah. But um, Notre Dame for sure is the only place that you know would break. What about bring the city of Memphis? Did you like that? I love good the barbecue. City of Memphis. Great barbecue. Yeah. I went to many barbecue <laughs> joints. Like I was like the first thing, like you got to go to this spot, go to this spot. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna gain a lot of weight. So let me just <laughs> let me just slow down. You know, maybe do barbecue once a month. Because then every time you have a family that, that you know comes, somebody want, comes up to visit. Barbecue. Oh, we heard Central yeah. Barbecue is the best barbecue. Yeah. You know, so uh, but yeah, the food was great, the culture was great, um, the people were amazing. It's my first time living in the South, and so um, it was just you know that whole Southern charm. It yeah. was awesome. So take us through the I mean, how you found out that Muffet was going to be retiring. Um, I, I assume you probably knew more than or sooner than a lot of people. Yes. But how did you find out? And then when did was it a foregone conclusion? Like we want you to come take the job. Yeah. So coach kind of gave me a little bit of a hint. Like I said, like she was just like, I don't know how many more years I got, Neil, you know, like kind of throughout the, the year. I'm like, you're good, coach. And it was a tough year last year. Yeah. You know, and um and then so when quarantine hit, everything, you know, obviously the, it was just everything shut down. The world shut down. And then Coach McGraw gave me a call 
maybe like two weeks into the quarantine, uh, like middle of March. And she was just like, you know, I think, I think I'm, I'm done. And I'm like, are you serious? You know, like, are you sure? Are you see? You know, she's like, I want you to take over or whatever, or I would like you, I want you to be the successor or whatever. Kind of just had that conversation. And then Jack Swarbrick called me. Um, and he was the one that really obviously offered me the position. And it got but real, real. He got real, yeah. real. So, um, like she, she initially told me like, I think I'm going to, I think this is it. And then Jack calls me. And so then I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, could not <laughs> believe it. I was like, is she really done? Like, yeah. I'm like asking him, like, is she, is she, you know, really done? He's like, yes, you know, we want, it. and I was just like, oh my gosh, I just had, I just had it like, I was, you know, probably cry. I, I know I cried, but I don't know if I cried on the phone with him, got off the phone, like, <laughs> you know, I was just, un, it was unbelievable. So this is a point of view you probably don't get off, and it's just me following along on Twitter. So yeah. I see Muffet retires. I was like, man, we just lost Coach Ivy to the NBA. Might not get her back. Like, really couldn't have happened a year, like a year sooner. And then, like, immediately the news broke. Like, Neil Ivy's coming to replace her. I was like, all right, yeah, we're well, good. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. I appreciate we're all good. That. Yeah. So I, I think there was a moment of panic for a lot of Notre Dame fans. Who was like, man, the timing really didn't work out on that. But glad that we're able to pull you back from the NBA and bring yeah. you back to Notre Dame. But that being said – you said, I mean, quarantine and COVID, you kind of jumped into a very unique situation that really, I mean, only the first year coaches this have to deal with. Yeah. Did, did you have a game plan or did you just kind of go like week by week, month by month, trying to make the best of it? Yeah, I would definitely week by week. And um, I had a month with the Grizzlies um, and what we did with the team. So I kind of had a little bit of idea of like how to stay engaged with the team. So we mm -hmm. had like a weekly Zoom meeting um, with the guys and just kind of you know, trying to stay active, started, started, trying to stay engaged as a coaching staff. So I kind of watched how Taylor Jenkins, you know, pretty much tried, tried to figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. it's basically everyone. This is new for everyone. Um, that's that our situation is so unprecedented. So, um, so yeah, so I went week by week. Okay, what do they need this week? Okay, and every week just try to um, communicate, try to update them on all information, um, try to stay as, um, like I said, in, as engaged as I could and and communicate as much as I could so that was my that was like my goal every week and then um they're because they're like are we coming back to school or we're gonna have summer school and I it was all the uncertainty that I didn't have the answers to so I felt like as long as they're seeing me on zoom we're talking about it I'm bringing people in to talk um it was starting to make them feel a little bit a little bit comfortable in the situation that they were in so that was basically my game plan and then when I came back here um, and we got closer to bringing them to campus I feel like it everything kind of became a little bit more clear so I want to ask on the NBA side of things when the shutdown happened. So everyone knows what the game with the uh, Thunder and Jazz that kind of set everything off. Um, did you guys have a game that night where the Grizzlies playing? No, but we just flew. We had just flown into par Portland. Okay. So I think it was March 12th. It was, I think it was a Wednesday. So like, what was that night like from your point of view? Oh, it was crazy. Like we we landed in Portland. We drove to the hotel. We went to, we had like a two hour break and we were going to go like to the Nike store as mm -hmm. a group, you know, and um, some of the guys, actually Josh, some of the guys came with us, more of the support staff and coaching staff. We, um, and we were going to, you know, have the whole evening off. And then we got a text saying, and then we just saw it on Twitter, um, Adam Silver saying, it were shut down. Rudy Gobert has so That's how everybody COVID. found out. Yes. We were literally at the wow. Nike employee store. And so then they were like, get back on the bus. We have a meeting in an hour. So we were like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we get there at a meeting and they just said like, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, we're in a shutdown. We don't know when we're going to resume, but right now we're going to, they said we're going to shut down for two weeks. And then they're like, we're going to leave tomorrow at one. Cause we were supposed to play Portland on Friday night. So we flew in Wednesday. We were going to practice Thursday and then play them Friday. And then I think we were playing Utah Saturday. 
so we were on the west coast for for that was like our west coast trip or whatever and i was like oh my god so we were all just like just sitting there like oh my gosh i remember the next day we had like a late brunch because we were leaving at one and we're all just sitting in there and that's when like initially there were like gloves and you know they just kind of just had sanitizers we had no masks and so we're like Let's grab all these sanitizers <laughs> gloves. It was so funny. Just wipe down. Job would walk on the bus with all these gloves. It was weird at the time because, you know, that was like day one. And we were just like, well, we're going to have, a, you know, we're going to keep our hands set. It was so funny. We're like, what is going on? So we're everybody was, you know, trying to, you know, we didn't know what to think. So we were all just kind of like trying to band together, trying to figure out what we were going to do and what it looks like because that was unreal. So bringing it back to Notre Dame, I have a two-part recruiting question. One, um, you gain the reputation of one of the best recruiters in the country. Are you going to have to hand off those duties a little bit more now that you're a head coach? And two, what does recruiting in the era of COVID look like? Yes. Well, that's that's been challenging for me because I am a very hands-on type coach, yeah. you know. Um, and so I've had to, like, real like de- delegate okay you you know coach uh, Michaela Mabry she's my recruiting coordinator mm-hmm. so former player somebody I recruited and she's done a phenomenal job so I've had to initially I, I was more hands-on because I didn't have my I didn't create my staff or build the staff for an, like a month after I was hired just because of the pro you know process and going through a whole the, the um, interviewing process so I was more hands-on just doing it myself and then so when I created my staff I'm like okay I gotta I gotta start handing those off that was hard for me because I'm used to be on the phone all the time and yeah I I imagine that might be the most difficult transition very difficult so I was like I'm I'm putting on a different hat now so I gotta you know operate differently and all that kind of stuff but I just feel like that I'm I'm a real genuine person and so um, that's the part that I love and I'm hoping that 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 helps us, you know, continue or helps me continue to land recruits, but just to have that more, more relationship with the head coach. Cause I, I hear a lot where you, you have, you have your one recruiter on the staff that you're really close with, but you're not as close with the head coach. It's going to be kind of flipped <laughs> for me yeah, and yeah. the staff because um, it's important for me to really get to know the um, players that we're recruiting, the people that we're going to bring in. Well, you see a lot of recruits that, that so often pops up when they'll like re- recount their recruitment period. How often do you hear like, Never saw, never met the head coach. Never yeah. saw the head coach. Head coach didn't pay any attention to me, and then I went here, and the head coach did pay attention to me, and they never went. So, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like kind of elementary, but it seems like there's a lot of coaches that just don't get it. I know, yeah. I know, and I and luckily because with my son, I know we're getting ready to talk about son, yeah. but um, like I got a chance to see it from a different perspective. I saw it from a per, yeah, I didn't know, think of that. That's a nice little advantage. So I learned yeah. a lot being recruited, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I like you know, so there's certain things I didn't like, and there's certain things I really liked and really resonated with me. So I I've been implementing that how I felt you know with the things that um you know Purdue did the things that other schools did so that's helped me out a lot um and then your second question with the age of COVID yeah has been so weird yeah. it's been all literally all zoom calls FaceTime calls. I mean we're in here doing an interview with everybody messed I know up, so I, mean, I know <laughs> so like I that part has been luckily when I took when I got the job I I had a really great week that's all like I can say because I can't talk about what happened well but I had a really great week with recruits, so got the people that I really, you know, two phenomenal players that I loved. And so that was a huge blessing. But now it's like, you know, they can't come on campus. We're in a dead period till January. Yeah. Didn't, can't, didn't get a chance to watch them in the spring or summer live. And so it is, it's been very challenging. But you just have to stay creative in the way that you represent your, your staff, yourself, and how you um, kind of had it, how you represent the university because you're showing them from, you know, either videos or 
you know, virtually, you know, I'm doing like yeah. FaceTime calls, showing them the <laughs> Ross practice facility. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be creative in a way to kind of um, show recruits that have never been on campus how special. So you're doing recruiting trips over FaceTime. Yes. Yeah. Literally. I'm doing campus visits. We did <laughs> campus videos, you know, a lot of FaceTime, a lot of Zooms. Um, and every, every, every recruit's different. Some don't like, they don't want to be on FaceTime and some mm -hmm. they're used to being on FaceTime. And since, you know, it's just, it is, it is very, very different, but we're trying to, we're trying to figure it out because everyone's trying, everyone's in the same boat. It's just who can be the most creative staff right. really. And who do you connect with most, um, you know, best, best with. So that's, it's been very challenging. So my dad, um, he's coached basketball for almost 30, 35 years now. He's a hall of fame coach in the state of Kansas, nice. huge fan. And <laughs> I was like, uh, Neil Ivy's coming on. Do you have any questions? It's like, Ask her about Jaden. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, I follow along on Instagram. He's like, I feel like I've been getting updates. So, like, what's going on with him? <laughs> well, th tell him thank you for asking about him. Yeah. But, um, he's doing great. Um, he is, oh man, he's just so he's so special, and I'm so happy that he's close. So that's one thing that's been very awesome for me that he's only two hours away. Mm -hmm. um, but he's working really hard. He went to Purdue this summer, and you know he's just been getting after it. He's a he's a gym rat. And um, he just loves to compete. He wants to get better. I'm hoping that he gets the opportunity to make an immediate impact. But you never know how the transition is going to be in college. But right. um, but he's been doing great. The weight room, like he's gotten bigger, stronger. He's how like, tall Mom. is he now? He's six five now. He's really? like, Mom, I got I put I, I made some gains. I'm like, okay. Six <laughs> he's yeah. six five. He's huge. Yeah. He's he is and stronger. So he's filling out. Um, he's happy. He loves Coach Painter. He loves their staff. I think their staff is. So um, when he first started being recruited, was Joey still on that staff? Yes, okay. Joey uh, Brooks. Brooks, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a great job helping. You know, just giving Jaden more perspective than just trying yeah, to I sell talked Purdue. To jo Joey early on in it. Oh, he's you did? like He's like, we want Jaden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they did a great job. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. You could tell they really, really wanted him. So. So uh, when you were down in Memphis, did Jaden get to like play or work out with Ja at all? No, he got a chance to watch him, but he so did get a chance. Similar to, games, very similar. And yeah. he he actually, and I didn't know this, but Jaden like really loved, like he looked up to Ja. Like Jaden has, you know, a lot of people that he looks up to, but Ja was one of them, which I didn't know. And so initially, when I took, <laughs> when I told him it was Memphis, he was like, "Would Ja Morant?" Yeah. He was like, "Mom." <laughs> now I'm like, "I know," you know. But it was it was cool for him to be able to, to be in that environment. That's that's his dream. He wants to play in the NBA. He wants to play professionally. Mm -hmm. And so he had the opportunity to see it from um, actually, you know up and close up close and personal so he got a chance to he mostly watched him like if he came on the came to games he was allowed to kind of sit on the bench with me and watch and so he he studied his pregame warm-up he just studies him so he got a chance to really develop a relationship with him like Jot had many moments where he you know talking to him one-on-one -on -one, man to man about you know what he needs to do and you know just his approach to the game and so just being able just to be a sponge and just to watch that I thought like that was one of the things that I'm super grateful that he had the opportunity to do with me being there. Now, growing up, was Jaden able to be pretty involved with the programs you were coaching with as far as just, like, being able to hang out in the gym and kind of get the, I guess, the other side of basketball down, you know, yes. the mental side? Yes, absolutely. His his first role model, first person he looked up to was Skyler. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. loved Skyler. So he just just being, you know, having to be around Notre Dame and athletic, the Notre Dame family and the athletic um, department, he got a chance to have access to things a lot of kids – don't have a chance to have access to like our facilities like you said being on the bus seeing our reaction before and after the games seeing how the um the players prepare for games and all that kind of stuff he has had that his entire life and so I'm hoping that um that allows him I know that that was something that will help him as he's in college now because he was around the college game his whole life you know around the game his whole life 
and <laughs> I was playing pregnant. <laughs> I, I had him <laughs> when I was coming back from being pregnant. He was on the side in a baby carrier. So he's always lived in the gym. Yeah. And so it's no, it's no coincidence that this is his <laughs> passion. Um, but yeah, he's had the opportunity to, um, it's a blessing what he's been exposed to. So moving forward, I know it's a little different overlap of the seasons, but like when Skyler was playing and things were rolling, you'd have like Lil Wayne at games. Do you foresee any Grizzlies coming to any of your games? That's what they told me. Okay. So I said, I'm going to yeah. hold you guys to that. Yeah. Maybe not this year. I know we don't have fans, but yeah. they were like, we are their coach. And I'm awesome. like, great. And I just love how much they, they've, um, you know, supported me. They, they were so, you know, so cute. Like they didn't want me to leave, but they mm -hmm. also were like, you know, this is a great opportunity yeah. for you. Um, and I have a great relationship with all of them, especially Ja. And um, it's just great to see the support they have for the women's game and for me. So I think that's awesome just to see the support. You know, as you know, Kobe was a big um, supporter of women's basketball. And just to see so many other NBA players um, gaining that, giving that respect to the game, to our game that we need, um, it's important. So I'm super grateful for that. So before we wrap up with some of the fun questions, uh, what we'd like to ask everybody, um, if someone, a high school student, college student, young coach listening, do you have like one or two actionable pieces of advice uh, that you think would suit them well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say build an incredible network. Um, I think that I'm in this position because I've had strong role models, um, strong mentors that I looked up to. So just build that, know what you want and build that, that network of um, a community that's going to help you get there. So um, surround yourself with people that are successful and then you can, you know, try to learn from them if that, whatever you want to do, whatever that is, just make sure you have a great network of mentors that can help you and guide you. So that's something that is something I tell all young coaches and then um, just work every day to get better. Um, and also whatever that is that you're good at, make sure you're trying to reach out to find different areas to get better at. So if that means you're a great recruiter, okay, you know, find a way to be a great in the X's and O's. Um, find other things to, to challenge yourself to be better at, to step out of your comfort zone. That's something that I learned here at Notre Dame. Luckily, I, I was taught under with a, the Hall of, Hall of Fame coach as yeah. a Coach McGraw. So I was fortunate to have that access on a daily basis. I saw greatness every day. Um, but that allowed that pushed me to to want to be better. So um, step outside your comfort comfort zone and, and whatever that is. So one more thing, real quick, settle something that me and Rob always argue about. Memphis is out of the equation. Who do you think is the best coach in the NBA? X's and O's. Ooh, gosh, there's so many good ones. He's a big Spurs guy, so he likes. I was Pop. just about to say Popovich. I, I that was the first person that came I to think mind. Spo is such he's a good really coach. Good. Such he's, a good coach. He's a great coach. Um, Those two both be at the top, though, at least top five. Yes, but yeah. I'm gonna go with, with Popovich because he's 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 created the oh, blueprint. Man. My number one, <laughs> number one overall is Phil Jackson. Yeah, there we That's go. That's number one there overall. Overall, yeah. I've always well, been. A fan. I always tell him like it's so tough to just round up talent and like not have it implode. Like mm -hmm. it's such a skill. To not, I <laughs> yeah. mean, you had those. You had Notre Dame teams that were just had so much talent, and there's only one ball. So, yeah. I mean, it's tough to to manage egos and be able to manage just the mental side of things. I think Phil did better than any coach in NBA history. Yeah, and just watching his story and learning from him is like he was a you know former player. You know, sometimes yep. I just look up to that just from being a former player to be for him to become a Hall of Fame coach. I just I've loved his um, what he stands for, his philosophies. He was different, um, but for sure Popovich. <laughs> As in right, currently current coach, She's saying that and a lot of and good. a lot of I, what I've learned in the NBA, a lot of a lot of coaches come in the pop system, the pop of this system, the Spurs system, they've become super successful. Like 
the head coach at Notre Dame, or Notre, the head coach at uh, the Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins. He mm-hmm. he grew up, um, or he was part of the Popovich oh, Spurs is he organization. Pop tree? Yeah. yeah, the Pop Tree. There's been a lot, so that just shows his impact in the the NBA rankings, co- coaching rankings. All right, you want to answer a few fun questions before you get out of here? Yeah, sure. I didn't prep you on these, sorry, but uh, I know I'm nervous. Um, so we'll start with an easy one. Would you <laughs> rather, uh, just as a spectator and as a fan? Would you rather have to turn off every sports game at the two-minute mark or only be able to watch from two minutes until the end? Two minutes to the end. Okay. Yeah, that's what VJ said, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> With no hesitation. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm usually asleep and I wake up. Oh, <laughs> <two minutes> left. <laughs> uh, can a guy use a gift card on a first date? No. No? Like, you had no hesitation again. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. what if he's sneaky about it and you had no idea i'm not saying he's like bravado just like slapping it down like you like that <laughs> applebee's gift card <laughs> probably not good on the first day yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right just happy they're paying That's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have a chef masseuse or chauffeur for the rest of your life Ooh, chef because yeah? i can't cook you can't cook <laughs> no do you have a go-to dish if you have to cook Lasagna. Lasagna? <laughs> hey, if you're going to have a go-to dish, that's yeah, a pretty good it'll, one it'll to have. Yeah, it'll last for a while. Yeah. You know, a lot of leftovers. <laughs> Throw it in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to eat, so for sure, chef. Would you rather be stuck in Jurassic Park or Jumanji? Oh, gosh. Um, Jurassic Park, maybe? Yeah. I think yeah. you're probably dead either way. <laughs> so, at least Jurassic Park will be... More fun. That's how I yeah, look at Jumanji, it. Yeah, Jumanji, you have all kinds of different things. Like going at least on. a T Rex will take me. That seems like pretty pretty cool way to go. Um, so, are, are you a dick if you sit in the back of an Uber and don't talk to him? Like, are you a talker when you're in an Uber? Oh no, you don't talk at all. Yeah. No, what if they talk really. to you? Do you just keep it short. I try to keep it very short. <laughs> I've uh, had one inspirational Uber driver. It was in Cincinnati. I think I was recruiting, and he was just very, like I said, very inspirational. He. He, like How gave me so? a book. Yeah, he just kept, he gave me a book. He started talking about like gratitude and uh, meditation and things that I'm into. So I was wow. just like, wow, he was really, you know, that was the only one. I was, normally I don't talk, but it was the things he was saying was very impactful. And I'm like, I think at the time I'm like, man, I needed to hear that. So thank you. You know, was, he was really cool. That's the only one I've ever. So a quick sidebar, because we like to do some like life hacks in this yeah. uh, show too. You do meditate? Yes. Uh, how often? Every day, every morning. Do you, do you have like a favorite app that you use or anything? Um, no, I actually just just silence. Silence, like I get. Give That's what I'm trying to, to get to. 10 I just to twenty minutes. Every my day. mind runs if it's yes. silence. I have it's, to use like Headspace or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know the Calm app. Yeah. I think I use that. Yeah, yeah. Before, but I think just with the high stress of um, coaching, being a mom, I I implemented it maybe six years ago. I Found met it, with a meditation it helps quite teacher. A bit. Oh my gosh, yes. And that that's making rounds in the NBA circles too, isn't it? Just yes. like uh, self care as far as I, whether it be sleep, meditation, whatever. Yes, absolutely. Mental health um, mm-hmm. is huge, especially now in quarantine, and it's something that we talk about a lot with our student athletes in college because they're they're dealing with so much and during this, you know. I feel like that stigma is finally starting to shed a little bit on the, mental, the, stigma. the stigma around Absolutely. mental health, and um, it's getting easier to speak up about it. Absolutely, and it always helps when big names do it. Like, I know, like yeah. I mean, even LeBron. I think LeBron, LeBron, was... Dak Prescott's done it recently. Kevin Love is a big advocate for it, so yeah. yeah, I think it definitely helps. And then it will trickle down to college athletics, high school athletics, where uh, previously it hasn't been. But yeah, I mean, getting back to the other side of things, do you think you could beat up Tom Cruise in a fight? Uh. Probably not. I don't know. I think you could. <laughs> Maybe. He's a, he's a little know. fella. I think, I think you'd be okay. Um, all right. So here's one we were debating before you came in. You get one free throw. If you make it, million dollars in cash, 
If you miss it, you can never text again. We're talking including recruiting. You can never text again. If I miss? If you, you miss, you can never text again. Are you taking the shot? Mm. Yes. You're still taking me? <laughs> I'll call them. Okay. <laughs> I can DM them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confident with my free throw percentage. All right. Last couple, let's do um, – how long does it t- take you to decide what to wear in the morning? No, okay, this is game day or is this <laughs> – Yeah, this let's go game out? day. Um, game day is probably take about an hour. An hour? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about I'm trying to plan. I usually like planning out. Do you ever wear the same wear. thing twice? Now that I think about it, you pretty much. I try to... not to. And the, le- and the NBA was hard because we had, I we I completed sixty five or sixty six games. That's a lot of outfits. Yeah. So yeah. I try to, you know, mix mix and match yeah. things. But um, in college, because we didn't have that many games, I never wore it twice. I wore it the next year, but especially if we lost in it, I was like, <laughs> it's gone. Nah, I can't wear that against <laughs> UConn today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not today Gino yeah I'm, I was very superstitious <laughs> about that <laughs> um last question uh when you hear the word successful who pops into your head right off the bat Muffin McGraw that's what I thought was coming <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure awesome well Neil, thanks a ton for your time this was Absolutely. a lot of fun best thank of luck you. this season thank you um you kind of been thrown into the COVID situation here, but uh, uh, we all know you can recruit. We all know you can coach. So I think we're going to be all, all set. So I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I know first it might seem like a lot, but they all play and they roll. Put that on anything that I got and all I care about is my city, man. I can't say it enough. I done heard things about y'all that they can't say about us. I just hold it down for my side. I just hold it down for my set. I give everybody a piece of this and I make. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.